Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Right, burr. It is freezing outside. Hope everybody's staying warm this week. I know it's a little unique this week. We're not used to this in Texas. Uh, I was looking around at people today when I was out and about, and I'll tell you why in a second. And notice nobody owns a pair of gloves, and people were their hands were just freezing. It reminded me of Dumb and Dumber when they get to the Rockies, and he's like, "You've had a second pair of gloves this entire time, and you didn't tell me." Anyway, it's uh, pretty pretty cold outside. Um, I have been outside quite a bit lately because I've been doing these kettlebell swings. So uh, for those of you that don't know, I uh, have created a really great relationship with my superintendent. And there are people out there probably rolling their eyes right now because I talk about, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to talk about being friends with him, but every once in a while it comes up because we are friends. It's like talking about any other friend. It just so happens that... Uh, my superintendent is has become my friend over the past few years from uh, very funny circumstances that actually have to do with theater. So uh, he and I are friends, but um, he introduced me to uh, kettlebell swings, and he said that one of the things that he has been doing to sort of keep himself in shape, and I hope he doesn't mind me doing saying this, but it's not a secret, it's not controversial, but he's been doing kettlebell swings. And so I adopted that. So today, as I'm recording this, I just did, I just completed day seven of kettlebell swings and I'm up to 135 swings. And that, uh, it's not, it's not as easy as one might think, or, or it feels easy as you're doing it. And then when you're done, that's when your body's just like, what in the hell did, did you just do to me? So I'm up to 135 and right now I do them all in kind of uh, a short span of time. I do take a couple of breaks. I'll split them up into three sections or so. But it's uh, it's it feels really good. But anyway, the whole reason I say all that is because I've been outside and it's been cold and even my kettlebell is like freezing and wondering why I haven't brought it inside. But um, uh, it's been, uh, I love it. I love the cold. Um, I do think there are some people that hate it. I know my aunt is cold when it's 85 degrees outside, so she's probably miserable right now with fires all around her blankets and pillows and all that kind of stuff just to stay bundled up so i hope everybody is being safe it's very unfortunate what happened up in fort worth a few days ago that was very just disturbing to watch and it was all over the news and tiktok and social media and so i hope uh i hope nobody that um listens to this was affected by that i hope and pray that Everybody is safe and smart when it comes to this because this is not something this part of the country is used to or equipped to handle. So bring on the hurricanes down here in Houston. But once we have some sort of cold weather, boy, howdy, it's uh, it's it's actually dangerous. I actually, you know, I get so angry when people are driving three miles an hour in just a little bit of rain when it's drizzling because we are fully equipped in this city to deal with rain. And I know, I know some of you are like, but you've had floods over the past few years. No, no, no. I I get that. That's a different, that's different. I'm talking about being able to drive on roads that uh, have been designed and the infrastructure is designed to help uh, drain off basic rain, not, not, 
Not 500-year floods, not that. Okay, anyway, I digress before I get myself in trouble. So uh, I am recording this before Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day to everybody. I, for one, and I don't mean to get depressing, but I, for one, do not really celebrate Valentine's Day because it was the death anniversary of my mother. So this this is actually the 15-year anniversary of the passing of my mother. So a little peek behind the curtain. As I'm recording this, because uh, I just paused, uh, Eleanor <laughs> came in here and told me that um, she had just pooped. And what's funny about that, I know that that's weird, but uh, and it, what why is this tying into me just talking about my mother passing away? Well, uh, literally... And this is uh, my mom, you know, this is so what she uh, loved. Uh, you can tell where I get a lot of my personality and it's actually from my mom. I'm a lot like my dad, but my mom was the uh, sort of sicko, if you will. But anyway, she uh, died because her colon tore. Uh, and so she, as I tell people, because she would think this is funny, she literally, she literally shit herself to death. So, um, that's not like 100% true. That's, you know, if there are doctors listening to this, which there aren't, uh, you are probably cringing as well. But um, anyway, so Eleanor just came in and said, Daddy, I just pooped. And uh, so I had to take care of that, um, which was perfect timing. So apropos to come in as I'm talking about the anniversary of my mother passing away. So I apologize for the dark humor, but it is what it is. Anyway, happy Valentine's Day to those of you that uh, do celebrate it. Um, I received my uh, uh, second vaccine. My wife and I got it, and uh, it was a much smoother process, much smoother process than the first vaccine over at Minute Maid Park. So I got my second one. Uh, it's been now, I guess, six, seven hours since I got it. I am a little tired, but I, th I think that's just because I'm a dad and uh, I teach. I'm a teacher. I'm a theater teacher, so uh, I don't feel anything right now. Um, but uh, my sister did say, call me at 8 o'clock tonight. Let me know how you're feeling because she did not do well with her second dose. But I did get my second dose. Again, much smoother process. So those people, the Houston health people, uh, I appreciate you guys. And I hope everybody's getting vaccinated. I know they're starting to dive into that 1C. I don't know when there will be a 2. Uh, I don't know why we have to keep adding letters to 1. Why can't we just have the second level, third level, fourth level, but I think people are offended for not being one. Um, I also need to mention the, the, that I have been contemplating with not renewing my account and not continuing minor wisdom. And let me tell you why I, I don't make money off of this podcast. I don't, I don't even ask for money. Um, there was a little bit of time when I'd sold the t-shirt and I, I think I made $3 a shirt from those people that bought one. And I bought the most actually for my family, but uh, uh, I don't ask for money. So it was a struggle for me uh, to renew uh, for a year because I'm not making any income off of this. So I say that not, not as like a, hey man, send me some cash. But if anybody out there that does listen to this knows how to market something like this, because that is not something that I know anything about. I know some of you are thinking, why don't you reach out to Billy and Annie? Well, I... I would, but I don't want to like step on their toes. And I just think that would be, uh, I, I personally would feel uncomfortable with that. I know Billy is probably listening right now saying you idiot reach out to us, but I, I, um, I just, I don't know. It's a prideful thing. So, uh, but if anybody knows somebody that wants to throw a bone, 
uh, I was flirting with one company for a little bit about sponsoring this podcast, but uh, even if it just literally pays for the annual membership, I would just love that so that I can keep this going because I truly do have fun talking to people. I'm trying to make this intro short, but I just had so much to talk about. I'm sorry. I'll get to you soon. Waldron Archer, by the way, who is the guest this week. Thank you, Waldron. I love both archers, Robert and Waldron. Uh, Robert might not think so because I, I did tweet about his school at one time. Don't worry about that. But anyway, that's in the past. Uh, bridge under troubled water. No, bridge over that's water under the bridge. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, and the, the, there are two more things I want to touch on. The one, one of them is, uh, unfortunate for me. I, uh, in the, the, the discussion with Waldron, I did say African American in reference to him as an African American, and he is not an African American. He is an Afro Latino. And I told him at the very end, I said, I'm, I apologize. I sincerely apologize for saying that because he's not an African-American. Uh, he is an Afro-Latino man uh, from Panama. You'll hear that uh, in his introduction. But uh, I just want to apologize. That's not normal uh, for me to kind of disrespect like that. And I know it wasn't looked at as disrespectful, but uh, I felt immediately when I said it and when he said Afro-Latino, I knew like, man, I, I screwed up and it, it, and let me be honest, I'm feeling guilty only because Melanie Burke, who I taught with at Dulles for four years and who I adore has become my second Esther in a weird way, uh, is an Afro Latina. And so she would, if I called her an African American, uh, I would probably, have lots of scars on my face from her whooping my you know what uh because i know like like anything i, I know it better than anything that she is an afro latina uh only because she hangs the flag from her car mirror but the last thing i want to mention i would it would be a problem if i didn't mention it but uil did come out with the whole we were kidding about you having to wear masks on stage kind of thing and it would it blew up and got all over Facebook and I got heated about it. And, um, a former teacher that used to be in Fort Bend for a cup of coffee, cup of coffee, excuse me, uh, got a little aggressive on there and very um, unnecessarily emotional. And so I ended up deleting my post that, that got all that happening. Um, and, uh, I want to, uh, just say that it should be the host site, you know, the host site should do it. And really, um, what it should be, and I'm not, this wasn't my idea, but it should be whatever level you're in, what is the state contest doing? What are they doing where you are ultimately hoping to go uh, for state? Are they having masks on? Well, then wear masks. Um, there's really no reason to take them off. Everybody uh, has uh, been working under the impression that we're going to be wearing masks. Some People chose shows based on masks. Some people's students are only doing this because of masks. Some people's parents are only allowing their students to do this because of masks. Also, the coronavirus. Uh, I mean, enough said. So I hope everybody is being smart and safe. Um, uh, I don't want to take anybody and, you know, drown them. Like I've heard some people say that, we should get rid of all the people that think we should be masking. That is an actual thing that somebody said uh, of, of high importance. And I don't agree with that kind of behavior. Um, I don't think that we should be taking anybody to the stake uh, or doing anything like that. I think that that was very childish and uh, uh, 
the 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 person that sort of said that who obviously will remain nameless um should really consider thinking about um not working with educators that have a strong opinion one way or another uh because that person uh is is running a business that we rely on uh that there are other options out there so um you know doubt that person even listens to this podcast but i was real disturbed by that type of behavior and that type of behavior not necessarily being defended but going ignored by others in that community so um if anybody's listening to this that that has knows what i'm talking about then good for you if not so be it now all that said this was the longest intro i've ever had for a podcast i apologize for for you having to hit that plus 30 plus 30 plus 30 button uh but i do want to tell you that waldron archer is one of the most fun guests i've ever had on this guy is just he's unique in many ways but he's unique in that um he he doesn't he's not real big on himself or if if he is i mean he's a confident guy uh he doesn't show it you know he doesn't make you think like it's my way or the highway he's just he's just such a fun dude like uh it's so easy to talk to uh and robert's the same way robert is one of the funniest people i have ever met ever like he's just and he doesn't even try um it's just a natural comedy so uh, I'll get Robert on one day. I kind of, you know, in a fun way, I wanted to get Waldron on before Robert just to kind of stick it to, to Robert a little bit. Uh, you know, it's just kind of my own personal thing just as a joke. But uh, eventually I'll have Robert on. Uh, both are friends with Sammy McManus, who I've had on in the past, and uh, Mark McManus, uh, her husband. So um, I want you to enjoy this podcast with Mr. Waldron Archer. Uh, I'm Waldron Archer. I am a teacher at uh, Shadow Creek High School. I'm from Panama City, Panama. Um, my family immigrated here. My dad was in the Air Force. Um, and so we came here when I was like 18 months old. Um, and I've pretty much lived in Texas my whole life. Um, we moved to Wichita Falls, Texas. And then um, after my dad <clears throat> had a bit of an accident, um, he lost his leg. We ended up having to move to Austin to live with the rest of our family that um, were living there. And I've pretty much um, grown up in the Austin area. I'm a graduate of McNeil High School, um, which has been the site for UIL when I play for a while. So it's been kind of strange going back to my old high school. Um, but, uh, but no, I graduated in uh, 2005 and uh, stayed home for a couple of years um, to go to school, uh, help my mom out. She had a um, baby when I was 15. Um, and so my little brother, I was kind of a present in his life. And then um, went to Stephen F. Austin State University where I spent a wonderful four years growing, learning a lot about theater and um, all the things that kind of go into putting on a show, being an actor. Um, and I graduated in 2011 and have just been hitting the ground ever since. Um, and so now um, uh, I'm a teacher, um, which I absolutely love. Um, and really and truthfully, I was kind of on the fence whether or not I wanted to be a teacher, um, but it wasn't until I did high school summer workshop camp at Stephen F. Austin, um, the head of the, of the program, um, who was a 
huge influence on me, big mentor, um, Alan Oster, who passed away a couple of years ago. He ran the program and the way that it works is high school students get to come on campus for two weeks. They live, they get to have their college experience while the college students get an opportunity if they are thinking about becoming a teacher, they get to work with high school students and see, is this something that I can actually do or am I gonna fail miserably and I need to figure out another career path? And um, I did it as a, I just needed a credit. And so I was like, well, I might as well get it out of the way and do it. I was there for the summer. And I fell in love with the idea of actually working with students, uh, working with high school students and just seeing their potential and their growth um, and seeing a kid who stumbled over their audition monologue two weeks ago, just absolutely transforming on stage and becoming a completely new um, entity and being rewarded for their hard work. Um, and it was nice, it was fun. Um, and for the next couple of years, for about on and off for about 10 years, I went back. Um, and by the end of it, I was running the camp as the assistant um, for all the day-to-day -day stuff and for the nighttime stuff where the kids live. Um, and so I kind of got a bit of a firsthand experience of running the camp and, and uh, getting a chance to see them in their, their dorm-like experience and then also kind of see them in their rehearsal settings and all that other stuff. Um, and so that to me, once I was done with that whole experience, I was like, you know, this is something that I'm, I'm definitely is in me, I'm not gonna let go. Um, and so I went home for a couple of years after that and um, couldn't find a teaching job until about eight years ago. Um, I was looking for teaching jobs and I was like, you know what? It's a junior high, I'm fine with that. I, I can teach junior high. And um, I taught junior high for about five years, which um, sounds scary, but it wasn't. There, they're just different mindsets, yeah, um, but uh, but after that five years, I decided, okay, it's time for me to to move on up, and so now I'm working at a high school. Yeah, and that's pretty much pretty much where I'm at now. All right. Well, uh, I gotta ask about Panama. Have you been back? Like, do you go visit family? Yeah. So the <clears throat> I haven't been back in a couple of years. Last time I went was for my great grandmother's funeral, and I think I was still in high school. Um, but when I was younger my mom used to send me every summer. So like I was, some kids were like, oh, I'm going to summer camp. And I was like, I'm going to Panama for three months, um, which was never really truly an exciting thing. Right. One, because it's hot, uh, it's super humid. Um, and I would stay with my my mom's, uh, you know, my, my grandmother and my aunts and they don't have hot water. Uh, everything is cold water. There's no air condition. Uh, there's no cable. So literally just roughing it for three months. Um, but at the end of the three months, I would always come back speaking a little bit of Spanish. Um, I can't speak it to save my life. I mean, if I need to, I will be Mr. Survival Spanish, right. but um, I can't have a full on conversation, which is kind of sad. Yeah. I'm Can you cook? Um, I can sort of cook. Okay. Um, there's a couple of things that I've learned over the years of watching um, watching my mom and my aunt and everybody else kind of cooking in the kitchen. Um, I'm not the greatest cook in the world, but if I need to, I can. I know Panamanian food is like heavy on spot. I mean, like it's it's spicy or not spicy, but it's spiced. Yes. So, Definitely. yeah. 
Okay. Um, just, you know. Lots of curries, lots of spices. Um, and I, also like- All I know is from Chopped. All, that's the extent of my Panamanian food knowledge is from watching Chopped on the Food Network. So- I got you. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, there's like, there's this thing called pepper sauce that is in pretty much almost every other thing. And it is, it does have a little bit of a heat. Um, but I didn't realize how spicy it would be to other people until right. I got older. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess right. it's kind of hot, but. Yeah, you so, yeah. grew up with it. You're fine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> other people don't. Yeah, right. Uh, when did you sort of like discover theater? You uh, you kind of glossed over it. Like wh when did that become a, a thing in your life? So I had always, ever since I was young, I really kind of just enjoyed performing in front of others. And I love to sing, I love to dance. Um, and my mom and my dad kind of really noticed that. They tried to push me in the, let's go do sports, let's go do Taekwondo. And I was like, I'm okay. Um, and so one summer, my mom decided to put me in, one, because I was performing too much in the house and she was like, okay, we need to find something for him to do. And so she put me in a summer camp at, in Austin at the Zach Theater. And I was there for about two weeks. And I just remember having the most fun um, being around others that really did enjoy it. And so I kind of got the bug that way. But it wasn't until high school, my sophomore year of high school, that I actually was in a play. Um, and so until then, I was just kind of like, I think I like to perform, but I'd never done a show before until I got to high school. Was that one? Was that a one act play or was that just like a fall show or something? Um, actually, it was the musical. Okay. Um, so we we did Fiddler on the Roof, which um, I had never I'd never seen the movie. I'd never read the play. And so I was like, I guess I'll go out and audition. Yeah. Um, and I got cast as one of the reading as one of the named characters. I played Avram, which, you know. He's not that big of a character, but it was fun. Yeah. Um, and that's where I really started to fall in love with, oh, I, I like being on stage. Yeah. Um, but that's also where I then figured out that I have a little bit of a, a learning disability. Uh, I'm dyslexic. Okay. Like hardcore dyslexic with okay. both numbers and letters. Um, and so learning my lines was very hard, right. very, very much of a, right. a bit of a struggle, but because of that, that's also one of the reasons why I do think that I graduated high school was because if I didn't have theater, I probably would have given up right. um, and really didn't think I was good at anything because of struggling to, to do well in school. Right. Um, but that kind of pushed me and nudged me uh, into buckling down and figuring out what tips and tricks I can use uh, to be a little bit more successful in the classroom. Now, so. do you think, and and tell me if you don't want me to pry into this, but do you think if you were a student today, let's say a seventh or eighth grader, you would have been diagnosed earlier? or do, Because, you know, back in the 2000s and prior to that, kids were, that's, that's kind of when things started. I think so. But I also think like, so we, we did move around a lot. Yeah. So like okay. we, there was a moment where we lived in Dallas, we'd come back. And I think had I stayed in one spot for a long period of time, it would have been, it would have been diagnosed a little bit you. sooner. Yeah. Um, but no, I also think that if I was in seventh and eighth grade right now, it would be a little bit easier for them to figure out like, right. this is exactly what the problem is. Um, Cause yeah, I went, it, it was strange. Cause I remember doing, I remember doing okay in school. 
And then I remember one day, freshman year, I was told that I have to change to remedial English. And I was very confused about why nobody ever talked to me, nobody ever explained why. And then I remember I sat in the class and the teacher who was teaching that class was like, I don't think you need to be in here. And I was like, okay, I agree with you. I don't think I need to be in here either. And she was like, you understand like what's going on. She's like, you just struggle with being able to read aloud or read. And I was like, well, yes, of course. So, um, so yeah, so after that, it was kind of, it was easier for me to then figure out like, okay, so I, I do need to do other things than just sitting there and reading silently. Like I need to read aloud or I need to have an activity while I'm reading in order for me to retain that, that information. So you live, you learn, okay. you figure it I'm out. Just, I'm just curious. One of, one of my favorite students of all time was, uh, or is dyslexic, but, and he was also diagnosed late in the game, I guess, if you mm-hmm. will, but did fine, you know, graduated and, uh, successfully and on time. So, um, but uh, it's always one of those, it's one of those diagnoses uh, that you don't hear a lot about anymore. It's like you're either ADD or not, and right. you don't hear a lot about dyslexia. So, um, or a kid thinks because they invert their number seven, they're like self-diagnosing themselves as dyslexic. And it's like, no, that's, that's just, you were just taught wrong. <laughs> I think that's the, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's a, it's one that I, I wonder if that goes is now less diagnosed. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's I don't know. So and honestly, it's it's interesting because like my I remember after I was officially diagnosed with it, I remember being a little bit um, afraid to talk about it with others because I thought people were going to judge me. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't until I spoke to my uh, my theater arts teacher. Um, so. At my high school, I think I went through four directors before I graduated. Oh, wow. And one of the directors, she stayed there for like, she was there for two to three of the years that I was present. And I remember one day sitting with her and saying like, I just don't know what I want to be. I think I want to be a teacher, but I'm dyslexic. So that probably would never work. And I remember her looking straight at me and going, she was like, I'm dyslexic. She's like, I'm dyslexic and I'm also a teacher. Yeah. So you can do whatever you want to do. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. And I just remember that light bulb kind of going off um, and being able to see somebody who was a fully functioning person. Yeah. She was a she was a hardcore technician. She could light everything. She could build a costume. She could build a mean costume. <laughs> like I'm envious of her skills. Yeah. She could she'd whip it out. Costumes everywhere. Um, <laughs> and I just remember watching her and watching her work. And I just it, it was it. I don't know. It was a, it was a huge inspiration yeah, to me. It was inspirational so. to you. Good. Uh, well, I just I just found that interesting. You know, it's it, I I appreciate you saying something about it. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate there's a negative stigma to it because it's like it's the most ridiculous negative stigma. Like, oh my gosh, you invert your numbers and letters. You right. Must, you must be a horrible person. So, like, I you know I don't get I don't get. I don't get that. I get why someone would be nervous to admit it. I don't get why people think that it makes you less, but you know, whatever. I know I'm preaching to the choir. Um, so you mentioned something about, uh, and, and you may not want to say this, uh, this answer, but you mentioned something about in that summer camp that you did at SFA, yeah. uh, that it would kind of separate the people that wanted to do it. And then the ones that were like, just, they thought they did. And then they were like, no, 
Did you see any of those? <laughs> yes. Okay. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause like there, there's a huge portion of the people who did camp with me. Okay. Um, that had no idea. They had no desire to be a teacher like period. Um, they either went through camp as a workshopper themselves and then went to SFA as a student um, or they were just like, you know, the BFA acting program or whatnot, but everybody's some, and it was all because of Oster. Um, he was somebody who, he would challenge you, he would push you. He was not the nicest of individuals, but he was a sweetheart. He was, he, He's the teacher that I aspire to be. One day I wish that I have students who are like, my teacher pushed me, he was mean about it, but he cared about me and I saw it. Um, and so people would gravitate to him. And a lot of his students are teachers now. They're teachers in this, like in the Houston area, in the Dallas area. Um, and it's all because of, of camp, really and truthfully. And then that camp has been around for, Oh goodness. We were coming up on the 50th. Yeah. Um, and I think next year was, no, I think the 50th already passed, but it's been going on for about 50 plus years. Um, and it's interesting to think about the individuals who were like, I'm teacher certification student. This is what I'm going to do. And they, they did camp and it just blew up in their face. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ended one, the they didn't know position. how to manage their yeah. cast. They didn't know how to have things prepared and ready. They didn't understand how to, you know, teach bell to bell, or in this case, fully use your entire session to what you need to use it for. Um, and I feel like a lot of the things that we expect our teachers, especially theater teachers to know how to do, I, I was forced to learn by trial by fire. It was like, figure it out you better make sure that your cast isn't disruptive and that they learn their lines and that you put up a good show and that they're not disrespectful. Um, and so it was nice to have that, that little mini cosm of a community um, for us to kind of be with each other and really kind of be stressing on how, how are we gonna do this in two weeks? How are you gonna learn? And, and that's also the thing too, is it was a full on race to put together because each kid would have to do a one-act play, a period and style scene, and a 10-minute play. Oh. So they would have to work with three different directors yeah. on top of doing workshops. And then since we were counselors, we were in charge of Sunday, we had to feed them. So we had to have a big old barbecue. And then we had three dances. We had a movie night. So it was a camp. It was like a full-on two-week. And, and, and it's interesting because like, I remember a lot of the teacher certification students who were going through it were like, this is ridiculous. I don't understand why we have to stay here after hours to do extra things. They should just be in their dorm. And I think now as a, as a teacher, it clicked. I was like, oh no, it is all the extra yeah. stuff that you try to do so that your students have that ability to have that sense of community. Um, and it's just like that model, that model that he created and that he was able to incorporate in the camp and the way that the camp worked, it really did teach the kids who were studying to become a teacher and an educator, if you can't handle camp in this two week kind of bubble, it's gonna be really rough for you um, when you finally do get out there and you are a teacher. You have to do it for a whole year, yeah. Yes, 
and, and being able to like sustain that and, yeah. and keep it up. And so I think that has definitely given me the, I like to think it's given me the foundation that I, I have as far as like how I run my program, how things work. Um, and so, yeah, that, that camp and watching, and it's funny because when you would watch somebody fail, you would have a moment where you would kind of want to make fun of them to their face, but then you would also be like, okay, well, this is the reason why you failed. Um, one, because you weren't prepared. You didn't really think about what it is that you were doing. You didn't incorporate correctly um, or you misguided your cast. And so it's a learning lesson. You figure it out you grow up and, um, and we would have a, a post-mortem at right. the end of every camp. And we would talk about our feelings, our grievances um, and things that worked for us at camp and things that didn't work for us at camp. And so it was nice. It was all around nice learning experience. Would you still highly recommend that? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, it's, I would recommend, I would recommend any student to go to it. I would recommend people who are looking for an opportunity to like flex their directorial muscles and they want to get an idea of working with other students to kind of go back and work with yeah. them. Um, and that's kind of cool too. They do, there's a, the door is open for anybody, an alumni, if they want to come back, they can. Um, and then they can get an opportunity to direct a show or they can get an opportunity to just be a part of camp yeah. in, in any capacity or come back and judge. Um, and so uh, if COVID hadn't happened, I, I think next, last summer we would have gone, yeah. um, both Robert and I, we would have gone to camp um, because he was, a, he was a camper as well. Um, and we bonded a lot over camp because our first, my first year as a counselor, which I think was his first year as a counselor, we both were counselors together. Um, and so that's okay. a wonderful experience. So a uh, good transition I had written down because I, I don't think I knew because I know Robert, I teach in the, we mm -hmm. teach in the same district for those people listening that don't know that. But, uh, how did you guys meet? Is that how you guys met was camp or was it before we... camp? Or... So we met um, freshman year uh, at SFA and we we weren't in, our freshman year, I didn't get cast in a show. I think I was just an original cast, which was kind of like a cabaret group. And so he was in the cabaret group with me along with some of our other friends. And so we were just all had the same amount of friends and we were just uh, friendly and cordial with each other. Um, I hadn't come out the closet uh, I was very, um, I was still trying to figure out who I was as a, as a person. And so we were, we were friends, we were close friends, um, all throughout college days. Um, and so we didn't really start dating each other until I moved to Houston to teach. Um, but no, we were always close friends. We were always in around each other, either doing shows together, um, we also were in Alpha Psi Omega together. Um, we pledged the same year. He was president. I was the vice president. So we, okay. without us kind of fully accepting it, and it might've been a little bit on my part, right. um, <laughs> we were always around each other, but we never really, it never really happened until we were adults. And then we started dating and right. we've been married for about, got married 2016, four years, going on five years this year. Wow. I didn't realize it was that long. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so you got to talk about like, like when, when did the moment happen? Cause I, I, I know you guys are like Disney obsessed. Yes. Um, 
So like, when did that, when, do you remember the moment, like one of you said, Oh, I love Mickey mouse. And the other one was like, I do too. And here you so, are. <laughs> we were planning our honeymoon and we had jokingly made a joke about, um, Robert said he wasn't an island person. He didn't want to go to the beach. And so in my head, I was like, well, that's where we would go, right? We would go to a tropical oasis or whatever. And I just remember him saying, he looked at me and he goes, he goes, you know, it'd be really nice if we could go to Disney World. And I looked at him and I said, we can't afford Disney World. And he goes, yes, we can. And I said, no, we can't. And he goes, I think we can. And before then, we'd always like, we were season ticket holders for like Six Flags. So we love amusement parks. Like we love to go to amusement park. There was a, a brief moment where we would get out of town and go vacation at San Antonio so we can go to Six Flags. Right. Um, and it was when we were planning our honeymoon and Robert suggested that we go to Disney World. And at first I was like, okay, I mean, I guess so. And he's like, but if we're gonna go, we're gonna do it right. And our first trip, we were there for nine days. We went to every park twice. We also were on a dining plan. So we had like three meals a day. It was the most lavish, fun experience of my entire life. And um, now we're annual pass holders. We go like almost every year, sometimes three or four times a year. Um, and it, I don't know, something about the park that's just magical. It's a, it is a beautiful, joyous experience. Um, I would never take a baby to it. <laughs> I feel like the ages yeah. of children from like toddler to seven shouldn't go. Yeah. Or if they do go, that parent is brave. Yeah. I'm more power to you. Um, but I feel like your child should be able to walk yeah. <laughs> and enjoy themselves. And, and remember. Yes, yes, yes and remember. Um, but no, it's, it's a magical place. I think our first night we were there, we ended up eating at Cinderella's Castle. And we, it timed out perfectly. We sat down at our table, we were about to eat. And then all of a sudden the fireworks oh. over the castle, the big nighttime show was happening as we were eating in Cinderella's castle. So that place cool. holds a beautiful, uh, a soft spot in my heart. Have I you love done Disney. the Be Our Guest dinner thing, the Beauty and the mm -hmm. Beast one? Okay, I, I'm, I've just heard things about it, so. <laughs> it, okay, so we've, I think we've eaten at every fancy restaurant, every big restaurant that you can think of. Like we could have an hour where I could just literally <laughs> list off the top spots for where yeah. you should go eat. But my number one spot, okay, and I'm just gonna give you that one. If okay, you want more, you fine. can ask more. But my that's number fine. one spot to go eat. Um, so it's in Magic Kingdom, it's in Liberty Square, uh, and it's called, um, why am I forgetting the name? Oh no. This, yeah. Magic Kingdom, Liberty Square. Do I need to look it up? <laughs> Magic Kingdom, Liberty Square. Oh my goodness. It's the only restaurant in Liberty Square. I will remember it. Um, but they basically have, um, it's, it feels, it's like Thanksgiving food um, almost. And it's like your classic turkey, ham, stuffing, corn. So everything that's classic Americana meal. Liberty Tavern, that's what okay, it's called. There it is, yeah, Tavern. Yeah, Liberty Tavern. Um, it is It is delicious. It is the most simplistic meal. Um, and so since we go during Christmas, that's our Christmas meal. Yeah. Like we, we plan it to where we're like, we're going there, we're gonna eat. 
Um, and they do this kind of cool thing. Everybody's like dressed up like colonial times. And so um, they ask you where you're from. And so they will say from the state of, from the proud Commonwealth or whatever. But if you're from Texas, they'll say from the territory of Texas, <laughs> the Archer family. And so it's just hilarious because they're really like in it. And you're like, oh, wow, I am from the territory of Texas. I am present. I love this. So, um, so that's our favorite, yeah. um, like classic. If you're gonna go once, right. you want that basic classic meal, you go there. Um, but if you're adventurous and you are not a, you know, not afraid of trying something new and exotic, you go to crap. Are you gonna uh, say Animal Kingdom or something? Or <laughs> Animal Kingdom has all of the restaurants at Animal Kingdom are great, yeah. but it's Animal Kingdom Lodge. Uh, they have a restaurant. Um, there's two restaurants. There's Boma, and then there's. Um, I like that I'm spacing now on all of these wonderful restaurants. I go there well, all the time. But what do you like? What do what do you what do you eat there? Um, so I I always get a steak or some type of Let's go straight for the steak meat. or seafood. Their steak and seafood is great. Restaurant Their chicken Saurus? dishes are okay. No Nomad they, Lounge or Restaurant Saurus? Restaurant Saurus is a waste of your time. Don't okay. go. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, they're I'd a huge sponsor of this very podcast. High end yeah, yeah. Cafe. Okay. What about dinosaurs? Uh, there's a lot of dining in Animal Kingdom. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. There's a canteen. Yes. Yeah. That's in Pandora. Okay. And they've got little mini cheeseburger pods that are in butt that are in bao buns. And then you can also get like a little bowl. Like, look, listen, pandemic just, over. You pack your family up. Yeah. You spend at least two weeks. <laughs> you do it right. Yeah. And then you eat. I mean, see, I don't know how your girls eat, but like you eat. Yeah. Well, uh, our youngest is still, see my, because the reason I said the memory thing is because it hits too close to home. Because my parents took me when I was five. Oh, okay. So I have one memory of going to Disney World and it was getting scared uh from uh goofy it was when Aww. we were going through the turnstile at that time i guess they had turnstiles at the front of the park and goofy comes up mm -hmm. and just kind of like jokingly puts his he like head down near me and i turn and i saw goofy and that's the only memory i have of just being <laughs> scared by goofy so, well now you need to go back so you can make a better yeah, memory so my youngest is four so we're waiting like Probably in two years, you know, when okay. she's six, uh, maybe seven. But because, uh, uh, yeah, you're right that they need to walk, but you also want them to walk where you want them to go. <laughs> so, yes. you know, she can walk just fine, but she's going to, you know, meander around. Yeah, no, go. you got to make sure like everybody knows. Let's stick yes. together. Clear and path. I, and I don't want to be the parent that has a leash on my children. So uh, I don't think that's a good look for people. No, <laughs> so, you think it is until you put it on and then you're like, yeah. this is wrong. <laughs> right. I feel like there's some moral issues with this. Have you been to Disneyland? Have you been West? Yes, we have. Um, so we, I want to say two summers ago, we decided to go out West. And we had a big old car trip and <laughs> I mean, we straight up, we, okay. So we drove, we drove the whole way. Um, we went to San Diego first. And then we stayed in San Diego for a couple of days in La Jolla. And then we drove up Highway 1, which scared the crap out of me. And I don't know how people do that on the regular. It's 
but it was terrifying. Um, and then we went to we went to Disneyland. We were there for a couple of days, um, and that park is great because I, I, at first I was like, it's World all the way. Land is whatever. It's small. Yeah. But you, you kind of when you walk in, you kind of forget that you are in the middle of a city. Yeah. Um, there are moments where you do look up and you kind of see, oh, that's a building. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, it's chill. It's wonderful. Um, it's not as high stress as world is. So like going to land, you go and, you know, um, you can get fast passes, but you can't get fast passes until you're in the park. Right. You can ride every ride. You can do the whole Disneyland in like two days. Yeah. Yeah. And do everything. The food is great. Yes. And honestly, that's another thing. The food is delicious. Yeah. Um, it's not theme. It's not that theme park. No, no, it's not. I mean, if you want that, that is there. there. Um, but like hot dogs are great. Their corn dogs are amazing. But if you want like a legitimate meal, like one of Walt's favorite places to go, um, are you on a first name basis? Okay. You know, Walt and I, uh, (laughs) there's this restaurant in Disneyland and the meal is delicious. It's like, it's like fried chicken, um, with like veggies and it's a huge plate. Now that's something to like, keep in mind, like their entrees are massive right. like you're not going to walk out of that restaurant hungry um so uh, it's amazing okay i i need to i need to venture out yeah i mean i i would i do miss me a good World. so uh you know i do like i've the, never the, been and yeah. i kind of wish that i had gone oh, that sucks is that like, do, oh, don't you, know what i missed because you were probably in austin i would assume or yes you know, so our our stomping ground as far as uh six flags was concerned we went to the one in san antonio which is my favorite and then i would occasionally go to the one in dallas and then immediately hate my life afterwards yeah Yeah. (laughs) what what is what is so i don't this doesn't need to be an amusement park podcast but you know it is what it is but what is your because i have my answer what's your favorite six flags ride that's a tough one i know maybe (laughs) Superman. Okay. And uh Goliath. Okay. Uh the new Batman ride that opened up a couple of years ago. It's like almost 10 years old. Yeah. That ride can go sit in a corner. Yeah. <laughs> that ride can be put in a box and buried. That's the one that like sw- you're swinging and yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first time we rode it, Robert yeah. almost fell out of it. Really? Yeah. That, yeah, that would have been horrible. I almost fell out yeah. of it. I was like, I don't need this. Do this you, is not for me. Do you remember my, st- I don't know if you remember how many of my students you remember, but I know you've seen him, but Samir, mm-hmm. he played my Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, he and I, on his senior trip, he made me ride that with him. Uh, and so, you know, we have pictures of us like getting in and, and all this stuff. And I was like, Samir, I, I've never risked my life for a student before, but this is probably the closest thing to it so <laughs> that ride is dangerous yes, and the fact is. that nobody's hurt themselves now, yet now have you been to ohio have you been to like i'm not okay so you need to talk about dangerous rides uh there there are in um why am i blanking now but uh i'll look it up in a minute but but in ohio um mm-hmm. like northern ohio there's a, a world famous uh amusement park and, and now i'm having a, a one of your moments but uh okay. anyway it's uh it has two of the largest wooden roller coasters 
in the world. One of them has since been shut down since I've gone because it's had like it had like three deaths in a year. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, it has. Yeah. Anyways, so if you like a little risk and G forces, then <laughs> go up to Ohio. But <laughs> you know, it's interesting because like I, I'm 33. And I have come to the point in my life where I'm like, I'll go on a ride, but I don't need to try to kill myself. Um, and so, but sometimes it happens. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm going to go risk it. Let me get on this roller coaster real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cedar Point. Cedar Point. Cedar Point. Okay. Yeah. I had to look it up because my brain was not going to. Yeah. There's Cedar Point and there's Kings Island. Both are great. But anyway. Uh, okay. I digress. So enough amusement. Amusement. Oh, did you ever play like Roller Coaster Tycoon? I did not. Oh, okay. Right. I did not. I know I missed out on that opportunity. It's kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> so I've got to ask. This is kind of uh, uh, a fun question, I guess, continuing on the fun route. But your school is known for having a unique school bell. Yes. Uh, and I remember you. I remember we can. Did I compete? No, I was con. Was I contest managing at your school or? Con- yes, yes, you were the contest manager. Yes. yes, and you you guys told me about it, and it's kind of like the and and we're dealing with this right now with students where you get online and you hear the the fire alarm beeps and those yep. kids have no idea that it's happening because they've just been living with it forever. Right. That that school bell is kind of like that to you now, where it's just uh-huh. it's just noise. And it- Sometimes it sometimes it will it will jar me, and you know the Jaws theme song is um it's pretty jawsome. Yeah, uh, it does awesome. what it needs to do. It scares yeah. you when you need to be scared, but I hear it about seven to ten times a day. Yeah. So um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it ring in the auditorium? Like if you're in the middle uh, of a rehearsal, if the speakers are on. Yes, okay. it will ring in the auditorium. Okay, it's just. Yeah. Gotta make sure turn it off. I'm surprised it's still there. I'm assuming now it's like the school's like it's tradition. It's gotta be yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Cause at first it was I think it started off as a joke yeah. and then it just tra- it just snowballed into this is what our bell sounds like. <laughs> this is our bell. Yeah. I so, assume yeah. there's some school in West Texas that like their bell is like yeehaw or so you know, something Probably. Yeah, probably. Probably <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, the, for those again that don't know, the 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 mascot are the sharks. So, Shadow uh, Creek yeah, Sharks. It's not like it's just Jaws because they Mm-mm. thought it was funny. It, it there's a little bit of a theme to it. So, um, but yeah, good. Uh, so I'm gonna s- switch gears and kind of get a little tough for you, just just to see if I can. But okay, do you can you define what the most challenging moment as an educator has been for you thus far? Are we talking about overall as a teacher or this year? Whatever. I, um, this year's too easy. Yeah, this year. Okay, you're right. As far I as think a challenging for, moment, not easy as far as. No, it's, it's too <laughs> yeah. many things that we talk forever about. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the most challenging thing that I've had to come to terms with is. Um, is understanding what my students need. So like, for example, the first place I worked at was a junior high. It was a very uh, well-to-do area. um, And a lot of these students were very involved. Their parents were involved. Um, And so when I got the new opportunity to open up 
one of the new junior highs that opened up, it was the complete opposite in that neighborhood. Um, and so I knew that I still wanted to challenge my students. Um, and I was never that type of junior high teacher. Like, and I don't mean to be offensive to anybody, but like, yeah. I could never bring myself to just do your classic fairy tale or uh, something that, you know, the kids could 100% wrap their heads around. Like, if I was going to do a play, I'm going to do a play. We're going to do a play. It's going to be very hard. It's going to be very challenging. Um, you know, I did chamber music with junior high girls. I did radium girls with junior high yeah. children. It's like De um, Destiny Miller's the same way. You know, when she yeah, it's just school. like, it's what's the point? You know what I mean? And so I remember though, my second year at Manville Junior High, I struggled with my students because they, they thought of it as something that was just fun and not actually something that required work. Um, and the previous year we had, we had had our junior high contests, first year that we were open, we get first place um you know we're riding this high of like yes we got it we this is the thing we're gonna make it happen every year and I just remember working with those kids and it was my boys and a lot of them are athletes but they're junior high athletes and a lot of them basically told me to my face they were like we're gonna take the L and I said what's the L because I'd never heard anybody say that to me and I was like what's the L they're like we're just gonna take the loss and I was like excuse me I was like, I lost it. But after looking at that moment, I was like, that's not what they wanted. Right. You know what I mean? I tried to, I tried to let, I tried to fit them in my mold for what I wanted for the program instead of understanding like, I'm going to have years where my students are 100%. They want to be there. Um, and then I have students that are just, they're there. Um, and I think after that, I just kind of realized that I was like, I needed to not, bring down my expectations, but I needed to be aware of what I'm walking into. I'm still going to set up the same things. I'm still going to try to challenge them. Um, but if I realize that the challenge is too much and it's too hard, that it's okay for me to shift gears and to kind of bring it back so that it is something that is enjoyable for them. And I think that's kind of been the hardest thing that's that it good. has taken me a couple of years to kind of get in my mind that it's okay to do that. It's okay to not look at that as a, I failed as a teacher, but more of a, no, I'm still challenging. I'm still being challenged. And I just need to figure out a way to achieve, um, still achieve my goal, but just yeah. in a different way. Yeah, that's good. Do you think that that, I mean, did that clearly prep you for high school as far as yes. how you, yeah, how you approach things? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely, it's definitely checked my my uh, expectations of what can happen. Um, yeah, it's yeah. definitely checked my expectations and allowing me to go into every situation, whether it be in class, to understand that like, you know, my students are not, not all my students want to be actors or performers and that's fine. Um, and just knowing those that do figuring out a way to foster their creativity and get them to where they need to be while also still teaching the others to um, to still have an appreciation for for what we do um, but not stressing them out to the point where they want to pull their hair right. hair out and also you know throw me against the wall <laughs> is there if you were to go back to middle school or junior high now that you've spent some time in high school is there something you've learned 
teaching high schoolers that you would go to middle school and be like, guys, okay, here's the deal. You need to be able to do this, that, and this. See, the problem is, is that I've always known what was expected of high school students, like while I was teaching junior high, because one, and this is a huge thank you to my co-director. So like when I was working at, um, at the first junior high that I worked at, um, David Soward was over at Manville High School. And he, he really asked for me and for my, uh, my co-teacher, Leah Short, Robert to must be home. come and, and, um, and help them out yeah. with one act or any of their after school stuff. So I kind of got to get a bit of a firsthand expectations of, okay, my students, I'm about to send you to this person. I know what they want. I know what they need. Um, and so that's kind of what I went into when I, when I went over to junior high. So really, if I were to go back to junior high, it would, I, my expectations would also yeah. still kind of be the same. Cause I'd be like, no, this is what you're walking into. And if you want to be successful and do really, really well in this program, this is what you're going to have to be able to do. Um, so I think it would kind of make me a little bit better as far as prepping them uh, for what comes next. So, yeah. So what kind of dog do you have now that we've heard it bark? It, please don't tell me it's like a five pound, like per, like little purse dog. Because <laughs> that was not a, a five pound purse dog. She's a German shepherd. Okay. <laughs> she's a five pound purse dog, but she's not. Right. Um, yeah, she's a German Shepherd. She's about eight years old. Her name is Piranha. Oh. Um, um, Robert, basically, so what happened was uh, his uncle was driving home on the highway and somebody threw a bag out of their car and in the bag was her. Um, and so he was like, I need somebody to take her in. Uh, and Robert was like, I'll take her. So he's pretty much raised her since she's like was a the puppy. Movie or the, the, the musical Bright Star. Like, <laughs> like your dog, yes. your dog so is the sun. <laughs> he's raised her since she was a puppy. Um, and so he, wow. he named her Piranha because she's a bit of a mouth breather. She's always got her mouth open. Um, and so she's our little Piranha. She's she's not vicious. She's all bark. She, right. she will bite if she needs to. Right. But she just wants to be cuddled and rubbed and hugged and all the wonderful yeah. dogs. We have a uh, we have a, a dog a pit, you mm -hmm. know, because they get bad raps too. Yeah, uh, that is what we call a drive by licker. Um, that's all he ever does. He just wants to lick every. He just like if you're near, it, it doesn't matter actually what it is. He's gonna lick mm -hmm. it. Um, so I get that, but he but he's the same way. If if he feels as though a bite is necessary, he will do it. But it's few and far between. He's the best kid dog ever. So, I got you. Yeah. But anyway, I just, I heard that bark and I just thought, man, it would be so funny if it was just this little, like with that big bark. <laughs> nah, she's a, she's a full on shepherd, man. Did you have a dog growing up? Um, yes, actually I had, in my childhood, I think I had three. Um, our, my first dog I ever remember was a, a poodle. Yeah. It was my mom's dog. Um, his name was Ruffy which I named all the dogs and you're going to kind of see a bit of the trend. Uh, the second dog we had um, was a Labrador retriever um, and I named her Blackie. Okay. I'm a child and that's how I roll. Right. And then we had a pit bull, um, but she was vicious and mean and her name was princess. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
And those are the three dogs that I've ever had. And then now Piranha. You can see how much research I do for these podcast interviews by the, uh, the type of questioning that I, (laughs) that I do. (laughs) Take a roll with it. I'm I'm down for it. So I, I'm going to, we're going to wrap up in a little bit because it's Saturday and, you know, Super Bowls tomorrow, and I got you. you know, I has that has nothing to do with why we're wrapping up soon. But uh, <laughs> so I got I I know that also you guys have uh, a relationship with Sammy um, uh-huh. McManus, uh, who I adore. I know she and I have a huge love hate relationship because I love to hate her, but and I think she's the same way with me. But but uh, I truly respect the hell out of that woman. But um, h- how has that relationship and experience with what she has kind of cultivated uh with a a professional theater company Mm -hmm. and um all of that work because i know you guys have done a lot of work with firecracker how has that also helped you as an educator i mean just kind of know still kind of staying relevant in a in Mm -hmm. a way you know what i mean um so it's interesting because we are all our friend circle is very, um, how do I say, it's, it's not big, but every single person in our friend circle, so like Sammy, for example, Sammy's husband married me and Robert. Um, okay. and, and he also went to school with us. So we okay. like, like I said, we have all known each other since our freshman year um, uh, of college. And, and Mark's a little bit older than Sammy. And so he was a couple of years um, ahead but it stems back to that conversation we were having earlier about camp. Yeah. Sammy was a workshopper. Sammy <laughs> went back and directed and Sammy and I co-directed a show together. We did, we did a show called Man in the Ma- Men in the Masses. Um, and so that was kind of the first time that Sammy and I really and truthfully got to kind of work with each other. And so when she decided that she was gonna start her own theater company here in Houston, um, she asked me if I would, you know, come on board and, and help out with it. And so I, I jumped at that opportunity because I was, I wanted to know a little bit more about how it could run. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it kind of allowed me to see, um, it allowed me to see the other side of what we are sending our students out to, to, to be a part of. And I think being a part of that company and also going out to, alliance auditions um sitting in that room watching the you know heads of theaters sitting there and having a big old cattle call and watching people audition it was very interesting because you kind of started to i started to figure out that they're so relaxed they're so calm um yes they're there to do their job they're there to find the you know the people that are going to help put their seasons together but it was such a, a nice community atmosphere um, that now when I tell my students like, hey, you're about to go on audition, I'm like, just go in there, have fun. Yeah. Everybody is in there wanting you to succeed and to do well. And okay, you might not get a call back, but that's fine. That's life. You just don't fit what they want. Um, and so it's kind of helped me um, be a little bit more confident in, in knowing what I'm sending my students out to, to be a part of. And also the thing that i I, I've treasured the most about it is, is I sit there and I watch however many people are there to audition. And then I start to realize, okay, that person doesn't know how to audition Mm -hmm. or that person chose a really bad monologue. And so it's kind of helped me see to myself, like, 
okay, that monologue was awful. Yeah. Never doing that. Not going to recommend that to a student. Um, or I've been able to look at a headshot and be like, okay, I see what you were going with with your headshot, but this headshot is better. And I think I know why. So now I'm, I think it's helped me as a teacher when I'm getting my seniors ready to be like, look, do some monologue work, do some monologues that are gonna, that, that you're a little bit passionate about, um, but also kind of go in there and have fun. Yeah. You, you do the prep work, whatever that prep work is, you understand what your character is struggling and what they're going through. And then you just go out there and you kill it. And I think that that's being a part of the company and, and working with Sammy. And um, that's the part of it that I've taken away uh, as far as what I bring back to, to the classroom. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I, I think I'm so happy that, that that sort of environment lives in this city, in this town, that, uh, because I, I agree with you with, the, with those, I guess, lack of better words, cattle call, uh, that mm -hmm. those people are there to do their job, but they're right. also so tight knit. It's so like incestual in a way. So <laughs> I get that. So I'm going to ask you a tough personal question and oh, okay. you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I, 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 I think the world of you too, I think the world of Robert, uh, but I, I want to ask maybe for my own knowledge and then just because people listen to this. So you mentioned earlier uh, about not being out yet when you yes. met, when you met Robert. Um, and without digging way too deep, what, what I want to know from you as the educator, the mentor, the leader is how would you now deal with a student like you that is kind of struggling with no matter what the problem is, and I shouldn't say problem that their own problem, their personal, right, problem, right, right. their, their own internal struggle yes, about, their own struggle. about saying it out loud. And, uh, and, not, and, and I don't even want to say just being gay, but mm -hmm. being like you are an African-American gay man who has dyslexia. Like you have mm -hmm. three things that in this world right now that we live in uh, are well. And, and luckily, we're slowly moving away from the stigma that racism is like it's anyway, racism. It's just stupid. Uh, I was about to curse on my own. <laughs> On my own podcast, but I don't. But, but like the the fact that you have three things that, according to quite a few million people, mm -hmm. are working against you, uh, and it's your fault that it's working. You know what I mean? Like it's like right. It's anyway. So how I do you, think how do you deal with you? <laughs> I think what I I do is. You have to, and, and, and like I said, it took me it took me a while to fully be okay with saying it out loud. Um, and honestly, like it was a lot of my friends um, kind of nudging me to be like, "It's okay, you can say it." And and that that right there was something support system that I had that I didn't think was going to be fully understanding of of it. Um, I don't know why I thought that because we're all in theater and that is present and it is there. Um, but it's, if I have a student like that and I've had many students that have come up to me um, and I think really and truthfully, I kind of learned this from Robert um, when we first kind of were, were getting together. I just remember him being like, we're not going to hide who we are 
I'm not going to be afraid to love you and you shouldn't be afraid to love me. And I remember when I finally was like, you're right. I shouldn't be afraid to love the person that I want to love. Not only did I feel freer, but like everything that has ever been positive that has happened in the last 10 years has been because of that moment. I have, I've grown a certain level of confidence that I feel like my students pick up on and I don't hide from my students. Um, all of my, all of my kids know. Um, and, you know, occasionally I'll get a, a kid or two that's, you know, they'll kind of push back on it a little bit, but at the end of the day, um, I mean, if such and such can share that they're married and they have whatever, then I should be able to share that as well. And I think that for me is what I think about when I tell my kids, surround yourself with the people that are going to lift you up, people that are going to inspire you to be a better person. Um, but then I also, you know, after I say that to them, I then say, you are a role model. Like there are people that are looking at you as the example. Um, and I, I know as a Afro-Latino who is, you know, I'm not from this country. I came here, like I said, when I was 18 months old, I didn't become a US citizen until I was 16. Um, and my mom did that because she wanted me to get some type, she wanted, she was like, I wanna make sure that you can get scholarships or, or loans so that you can go to school. and. She also wanted to make sure that I was a US citizen before I became 18. And so she got her citizenship um, and then put in for mine. And it's something that I hold very dear to me whenever my students feel like they can't achieve anything, they can't accomplish anything, or they're stuck in that mindset of, well, the world is down on me, so I should just quit. And I've had many a conversation with students who, who look like me or who students who are you know, they're male or they're Latino or they feel like the world is, is kicked them down. And, and I say to them, I said, you are an example. I was like, don't ever take the sacrifices or the, or, the, or the choices that have been made to get you to this point and then squander them. Um, and that really is truthfully, that's something that I, that has been instilled in me since I was a kid. I can't, I can't accept the fact that if the people before you made a choice to bring you here, to give you a better life, why wouldn't you take that opportunity to do better? And I was the first, I mean, I graduated from college. That had never happened before. Like that was big. Um, and I have, I have a lot of other cousins that have, they've gone to school and they're teachers as well. And education at the end of the day is the most important. And so I tell that student who might say like, oh, I can't do this, or this is who I, you know, I, I, but the world hates me. And I'm like, just be yourself, you know, be yourself and own it. And if that person or those individuals don't want to respect that or don't want to honor you for who you are, then that person is not right for you. That person is not right to be in your life. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna show my true colors here, but Tyler Perry's Medea, which I don't, okay, I've watched all of them and I had, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's... But there's one monologue that Tyler Perry gives as Medea about how people come and go in your lives, right? And how some people are leaves, they come and go with the seasons. Some people are branches, you think they're sturdy, you think they're strong, but you step out too far, they break from, you know, they break, they don't last. 
Uh, and then other people are the roots. They're the people that stick with you. They're the people that are deep in the ground. And that monologue stuck to me. Realizing who is a root and who is just a branch or a leaf, that's something that you have to learn as you go through life, but you have to accept the fact that when you do find a root, you find that person that is grounded, that is gonna hold you accountable, you hold on to them. And I think, I think really at the end of the day, as, as we, we, Robert and I, we came in and out of each other's lives, but he was always a constant. He was always a thing that was present. Um, and I think once you, I tell the students, I say, once you find that person, you find that, that group that's going to stand by you, build you up, you hold on to those people. Minor wisdom.